0: Hi, guys. Welcome to The Approach with Cal Camuna and Patricia Deanna. So this week, we're going to be talking about Stutz, the documentary, which is on Netflix by Jonah Hill and his therapist. I don't remember his first name. <laughs> Something Stutz.
1: Yeah, I forgot his first name, too.
0: I can look it up. Let me look it up cuz this is totally disrespectful. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, and I just watched it too. I watched it like less than an hour ago. Second yeah, time. We're... You watched it 3 times though, right? Four. Four. Now, yeah.
0: No, no, it's 4 times. Phil, his name is Phil Stutz. Bill? Yeah.
1: Phil Stutz. Nice. He's
0: awesome, by the way. I love Phil. Yeah, I love Phil. Um, So you initially told me about this documentary. Let's hear what you got to say and everything.
1: Well, I heard about it in my men's group and it was just a recommendation from one of the members and yeah, I watched it and it gave me a lot of aha moments and it had a lot of tools that I thought would be helpful. And I love the way that it was just shot. It was super vulnerable. Um. And the first time I watched it, like there were certain tools that I picked up that I that were so that hit me in the heart so much that I paused and did them right then and there. And there are certain tools that maybe I was just too entertained by by it that I just they didn't I didn't catch them. So I I rewatched it today and I thought. I, well I actually looked at your notes while I was watching it so it kind of clicked in more but your notes were so good I honestly think we should maybe get into a pdf and just give it to anyone who asks for it um,
0: okay I, I want to clean them up though I'm gonna like make them nicer so they look <laughs> I have they, so many spelling errors in there
1: <laughs> they look yeah they look like they came right from the movie because I um when I was watching it and I was looking at your notes I was like this looks exactly the same you like you drew it out um
0: well I I love the visual that they gave in the in the documentary and it made it easy to follow along um and it also I I loved the layout because it seemed like a step-by-step process even though I know they have or Phil Stutz has a lot more tools in his toolbox I love that they named them tools in their toolbox Mm -hmm. um So the first time I watched it, I was just absorbing and absorbing. And the second time I watched it was kind of when I felt like, hey, maybe I should be writing stuff down. And so I started Mm -hmm. the notes, but I didn't really like get into it too much. And then the third time I was like, okay, I want to take this time to actually like really give the notes because I know how I feel, you know, like being a good student and everything. Like when Mm -hmm. I take really good notes and how it affects me and how much better I do on the test and quizzes and stuff. Um, So it was just it was just for me, but then I was like, I should share these with you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) maybe you'll get something from it. I don't know. Yeah, I
1: got a random text randomly. I was like, oh, nice notes. I thought it was for a program that we're working on, but it was like, no, it's the studs, and it was so organized. I was, I fell in love. But um, (laughs) you know, when I was watching that, it when he talks about life force that really highlighted the moments in my life where I was doing very well and the moments that I was really struggling. Um, so that, that one meant a lot to me, the shadow work that he does with his, with your inner child, or he doesn't say that specifically, but it's like the insecure part of you. Mm-hmm. That was incredibly powerful for me. Oh um, yeah. And that was new for me. That was, uh, there are certain things that were that were things that I've been doing already, so it just added clarity to them. Like, oh, that's cool. That's what I'm already doing, and that makes sense why my life is working out the way it is. But then there were certain tools that were missing, and I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, I do lack in gratitude, and yes, I haven't accepted uh, that insecure part of myself yet. It's exciting.
0: Yeah, I actually. So I'd never heard. Of shadow work until you mentioned it, and I still didn't really know what it was. And so, this was actually the first time I had seen shadow work explained. And just to give our listeners like a little overview, but the shadow is supposed to be basically the part of you that you're ashamed of. And um, basically, it teaches you to accept that part that Mm -hmm. you're ashamed of. And so, ultimately, you're fully accepting yourself and um, what it means to fully accept yourself and how that allows yeah. you to progress forward. And I have never heard of this before. Like, and I, hmm. I feel embarrassed because I've been through all <laughs> kinds of therapy. Yeah. Obviously I, I know you and love you, um, but I was like, wait a minute. So we're we're allowed to like the parts of us that we don't always love like this.
1: Well, like shadow work, the way I think about it, and I think shame is a very good pointer to it. Um, for me, it's it's all dark aspects of you, even the parts that you might accept, um, but it's more about putting light on it. Uh, a, a quote I saw by Jim Carrey was, I was afraid of darkness until I found out I was the light and darkness was afraid of me, mm. right? So yeah. that to me encompasses what shadow work is, is putting your light, your focus, uh, your attention on your darker aspects and not running away from them, because if you run away from them, they actually become your default and you will act out unconsciously. While if you pay attention to it, it allows you to let it dissipate and accept it. And, and also, you know, take on that. You're not just a good human. Like you are capable of evil, but you choose to be a good person. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a book that I actually just read. Um, it's called um, The Upside of Getting in Touch with Your Dark Side. It's very good. And it is about basically how wholeness is is should be more of the goal than happiness. And like trying to aim for happiness all the time is kind of psychotic and, you know, oh, yeah. and it doesn't really allow you to fully develop um meaningful relationships with yourself or anyone else um and th- it was funny because i was reading that book at the same time that i was uh kind of getting into this documentary so all it was like that was the that was the piece of the puzzle that i needed at this time so thank you universe um what i love about what stutz said about shadow work um our, when we try to exclude the shadow from the perfect snapshot and the perfect snapshot is the ideal image of us, uh, we kind of wonder where our like true happiness is. Like we mm-hmm. forg- we were like, oh yeah, we th- this is our ideal image, but how come we're not feeling amazing yeah. about the things that we accomplished? And it's because we've been Saying, you know, like, hey, you go away, you dirty, ugly yeah. pers- part of myself. So I, I, he, they did a, such a great job with this documentary.
1: The part, the part, by the way, where Jonah Hill was like sharing his inner dialogue, where he's talking to his uh, insecure self. Um, there was a part where they asked, like, what they wanted, like, what that that child wanted, um, and it was just to share that with them like sharing his reality with him but because he's not looking at it he's he's a he's not sharing it and he's not able to access his happiness that resonated so much because when i was doing the process i had the same thing where it's like share this part of you like don't hide me away in a closet like take me out like let me let me experience this experience this stuff that i didn't get as a kid that actually led you to what you have now right right it's But yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. And because like now I'm trying to access that vulnerability or access that child that wasn't um, loved or maybe, you know, wasn't appreciated, but it's hard. It's hard for me to appreciate because I don't recognize him very well. (laughs) Like it's, and like his, his issues and problems, I don't recognize as much anymore. And I find that when I express those parts of me, they don't feel real to other people. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's going to be a journey.
0: Um, I have been getting in touch with my dark side this week. So um, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot relate right now. Cause I'm totally <laughs> using some parts of me this week specifically. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> thank you for being there when I needed you the most. Um, one of the the things I thought that was uh, so important about the uh, initial setup of the documentary was when they are talking about dealing with the three aspects of reality, which yes. is pain, uncertainty, and constant work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that true confidence comes from living in uncertainty. And I just like nearly got up from the futon and like ran around the living room because uh-huh. it's so true. Whenever... Yeah. Um, like I had a medical procedure done on Tuesday and I was so mm-hmm. scared. I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be, but when I got out of that medical office and I was like pain-free and I was like, I did that, you know, <laughs> Yeah. there's just so much confidence in just going, facing things, even when you don't know what the outcome is. Yeah. Ooh, that, he was-
1: so So tapping into that, like. When I talk to my clients about confidence, like one of the first things they say to me is like, I want to feel confident and I give them a warning. I'm like, listen, confidence is earned, right? So if I walk by a gym and I see someone lifting 200 pounds, I haven't lifted anything before. Am I confident that I can lift 200 pounds? No. But if I go in with courage and try and not know what's going to happen, maybe I can, maybe I'm not able to, but I'm going to start working at 10, 20, 30 till I hit 200 pounds, then I'm confident to lift that. But that confidence is very specific, while core confidence is what you want. And Mm -hmm. core confidence is accessing courage consistently. So tapping into courage and not knowing what's going to happen at the end, but knowing that no matter what happens, you're going to be fine. That to me is what core confidence is. Um, so courage to me is what I try to align my clients with more than, than confidence. Confidence is a very cheap word. It's like very vague and, and can get thrown around. Yeah. (laughs) And
0: I, I agree. Um, I remember I, I heard you one time speaking to someone and you were talking about how, you know, maybe you don't ask for confidence. Maybe you, you work on your courage first like, and I was like, whoa, I've never heard anybody approach it that way but it's so true. Courage is confidence's real foundation. Confidence mm-hmm. is father. Um so the maze. Oh. I love the maze. So you know that I have been in a maze with a certain person that mm-hmm. I was like doing business with and I was stuck in this maze for a while and I could not figure out how to get out of it. I needed some closure in certain areas but this quote will stay with me forever your quest for fairness puts your life on hold
1: Mm -hmm. man that hit me that hit me really hard and also like it i thought about a lot of people that are in my life that are always on the quest for fairness and i think about how unhappy they are and how mistreated mistreated they feel constantly because they put out all this kindness that's never really like reciprocated because it it has like this it has like this agenda in the background but it's but it the agenda also lacks it it, intention in a sense because it's kindness just for the sake of kindness without any truth right behind it um but yeah that hit me really hard i don't feel like i'm trapped in the maze as much i'm in a maybe i'm in a different maze but it's definitely not that one.
0: (laughs) I got out of mine and I feel like $5 billion. Like I seriously- Do you feel like you're out
1: of yours? Like your toilet is coming out this week.
0: (laughs) It is, but it's coming out in a way that was very productive. Um, Mm -hmm. I have never felt so- Validated in my understanding of why I had all of these instincts about this person that was in my life. Um, All of the things that were like all these missing pieces and all of these feelings I would get after dealing with them, like immediately, all of that stuff was answered. And I know that trying to find closure um, is not always going to be the best quest. And I wasn't even necessarily looking for closure, I just had a hunch about something and then went after it. And I found all of the closure I needed. So thank you instincts for kicking in <laughs> and, yeah. and giving me something that I didn't realize that I needed to close the chapter of 2022. Yeah. Honestly, this has, Oh, <laughs> it, it's not that I just feel better. I understand more. So many of the transgressions that happened, uh, and misunderstandings make perfect sense. So Good. don't go for closure, people. Do not go <laughs> for a closure because it's not always possible. But man, when you get that closure that you needed <laughs> to end a toxic relationship, <laughs> it feels How amazing.
1: Does, I feel like closure always comes in like the weirdest ways. Like it never, it never comes from me looking for it. I, I, I wasn't don't know. looking for it. That yeah. was the crazy part. I don't know if it's like a moment where you get another piece of information or if it's just like the space that gets created um, or maybe a combination of both at some point. I know I know one of my friends like two years ago said he had closure the moment he was at a club one day and he saw his ex-girlfriend with somebody else. And he was always terrified of that moment. Always like it was always playing in his mind like, oh, I don't want to go out. I might see her. Um But then the moment it happened, like a weight was lifted and he was able to breathe and he moved on very quickly after that. That Um, sounds
0: like my experience, except for it wasn't a boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When when I saw the evidence of what I needed to see, it felt like I had lost like two tons of weight off of me. So I, I get that. And I think I was in fear of of basically being dependent on mm. having to have closure to move on. Um, so I just tried not to look for it. I was mm-hmm. like trying to avoid it. And then, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try to move on. And then it just came and sat on my lap. And now I'm
1: Now you're I'm happy.
0: <laughs> I'm happy. I'm Like, what's that one TikTok sound? It's like, you mad.
1: You may I can't,
0: I can't argue with you.
1: Uh, okay. I'm
0: happy. <laughs> Leave me alone. Sorry, okay. guys. I am on one
1: today. She, she is on one, guys. Um Okay, let's go back to studs for a second. Yes, I want, yes, yes. One one thing that stuck out to me the second watch uh was the string of pearls. That one really uh, stuck out to me because for me, I found that when I was taking a lot of action in life, like, especially when I start going out approaching women, like, I had to lower my standards completely about what an approach was because I wasn't at that level. But I had to be proud of myself for something so that I would keep moving forward. So to me, like, walking up to an old man and being like, hi and then walking away that to me counted as an approach where like nowadays to maybe to get the same feeling i'd have to walk up to a supermodel and get her number but honestly that's not real that's not the case for real but it that's what it equated to like that action felt as rewarding as if i was to approach a supermodel get her number go on a date marry her whatever but every action matters that's Agreed. what that's what was really you know what he was trying to say. So I want my clients to feel that too. Cause a lot of times I get a I got a guy on like, he's like, I didn't do well this week. I'm like, What did you do? He's like, It's like I only did three approaches. I'm like, That's great. You did three approaches. But did you did you warm up? And he and he's like, No. Well, if he if he said yes, I would be proud just for the warm-ups. Like those warm-ups, each one of those, each one of those highs, each one of those like random sounds that come out of your mouth count to me. Um and if you warm up, you actually feel like doing more and more. But anyways, um, lower your standard. I want to learn
0: these. I want to learn these warm-ups, by the way. Cause I want to start approaching people in public because I just like to meet people and talk. So
1: well, one um, one thing I that I like them. to do, one thing that I like to do, and I actually I'll tell you where it originated from. So me and my friend, my wing, we would go out and we, want, we didn't want to be in our heads and we wanted to make sure that we weren't wasting our time and we're having fun and we're taking a lot of action. So as soon as we're out and we're in a crowded area, I start counting down for him. So I start counting down from 30 and I do it out loud. So 30, 29, 28. And before it hits zero, he needs to say something to anybody. It doesn't matter who. A sound, a sound needs to come out of his mouth. It doesn't matter what it is. And then once it's done, he starts counting down from 30. Right, And then it's my turn. I have to, I have, to have an interaction. Now, if, he, if the counter hits zero and he, he doesn't talk to somebody, I punch him in the arm as hard as I can, and then I start counting down again. The second time, I punch him in the stomach. The third time, he has two options. Okay, Option number one, like this is if he doesn't approach, by the way. Option number one is he has to get kicked in the balls by me. Which most guys avoid, I've never had a to, to do that second option is he has to do penis push ups, which is like push ups in a very crowded area, and he has to yell penis at the end of every push up so penis, 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 and it's you know supposed to be embarrassing, and then you stand up and you realize no one gives a fuck, no one cares, right now, most of the time like this sounds like oh my God, like so much pressure, but that pressure actually takes away pressure from doing well in the interaction. And then you end up doing very well. So you're not worried about how the girl is going to react to you or how anyone's going to react to you. You're worried about not getting punched, kicked in the balls or having to embarrass yourself in a crowd. So what ends up happening is he counts down from 30, two seconds. I'm already in an interaction. And then by the time I'm done, he's already in one. So we don't even, we end up never playing the game to its full extent because we're just trying to make sure we don't get punched and we're we're just having fun. So that's a warm-up that I do with a wing. What I do when I'm alone is kind of similar. Obviously there's not as much of the punishment aspect, but I, what I tend to do is I count out loud down from 30. So 30, 29, and that at least helps me distract myself from my thoughts because my, my ego is trying to protect myself and, and make sure that I don't put myself in an uncomfortable situation so I count out loud, so I ignore those thoughts, and I just try to take action. And as I take more action, uh, the the more momentum I have, the more socially lubricated I feel, and I start to just express myself fully. The first few approaches kind of tend to be lame because I'm still in my head, maybe. Um,
0: that sounds yeah. really active. I guess my my approaches are so soft. I'm like in the grocery store. Oh my goodness! I love your skirt where'd you get it from? Like it, it's always, it's or, different. It's, it's very different. It's, it's, my mm-hmm. approaches are very feminine. Um, Or, oh my God, especially with kids, ah, little dogs and kids always get me. I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Look at your pretty well, dress.
1: <laughs> well, you want to get to a point where, like for me, where I'm just interacting with my environment constantly, where I'm not having a countdown from 30, just a natural thing. That's right. the goal. Um, for women like approaching is definitely a different, a different thing. Like, I still think as a woman, you want the guy to approach you.
0: Oh, I'm more, not, I I
1: don't, yeah. I don't want to be
0: approached. I don't want to approach men uh, necessarily. Yeah. I want to be able to interact with the public. Um, I published a, a video on our, I posted a video on our Instagram with you and I, I can't remember her name, but you were interviewing this beautiful woman and um, I was like, oh man, that would be fun to do. Just like out in public talking to people and getting their opinions just about life and what's going on and mm-hmm. like different stuff. And I need to learn how to approach people and talk to people. I don't, I'm not trying to get phone numbers or trying to get guys to ask me out. Well,
1: you can't, the thing is, if you're going to stop someone, you have to have an intention behind it. Like when we stopped her, we had an intention to interview her. A lot of the times I have an intention Um, which is just to give a compliment. And maybe there comes more after that. Like maybe I I find out that she has good energy and I want to get to know her and see if I want to date her. I find I don't want to date her. Maybe I want to be friends with her. Maybe I don't want anything, but there needs to be an intention to have a North star in an interaction. Otherwise it's, they're just, it's just small talk and it doesn't go anywhere and people aren't going to invest their energy into you because when you stop someone, they're in momentum. They're doing whatever they're doing. And you're trying to convince them to stop what they're doing to have this interaction, right? But most people aren't investing right off the bat. So teaching someone how to make investment is a whole nother thing. But first, you have it, you have to have an intention first before you can even create an investment. It's super, it gets more complicated the more in depth you go, but it's also very simple. I'm sorry for overcomplicating it. Um, <laughs> no,
0: it's fine. I'm a great student. So
1: yeah.
0: Unload your knowledge on me.
1: <laughs> um, <Where am> <laughs>
0: um, But uh, yeah, about the, the pearl, the string of pearls. Um, One of the things that really stood out to me was the Jonah Hills quote, where he said um, where they were talking about how every pearl Stutz mentioned that every pearl has a turd in it, you know, mm-hmm. like every pearl, there's nothing, you're never going to have a perfect pearl. Um, and then Jonah says that he likes to think of it as there's a pearl around this turd. There's good all yeah. around with this, like, little bit of, you know, yeah. stuff that maybe didn't go perfectly. And that allows him to keep moving forward. And I, I love that.
1: I like actually both ideas together. Like, I don't like either one separately because I, idea Schultz idea helps me get into the interaction without judgment. Like, I can fuck up and it's going to be okay. Whatever action I'm going to take no matter what it is, um I can mess up. It doesn't have to be per- doesn't have to be perfect and it's okay. And then Jonah's idea helps me uh see that there's a lesson in every single um action that I take. So both of them actually help me separately. Um I don't know if that resonates with you.
0: Yeah, it does. Um because now that I'm thinking about it, now that you're bringing it up, because I am kind of going for more of that wholeness where both sides of me are fully developed. um, Thinking about like, Hey, I'm going to mess up. This is actually something I I work with, with my students on Mm -hmm. Um, like, yeah, you're going to mess up a million times with me. I don't care. (laughs) You shouldn't care either. Like Mm -hmm. what you should care about is, you know, the fact that you're showing up and, you know, following the the procedure and that way you're getting closer to it. So mm-hmm. I, I do like the, the thought of just doing like, just getting there in the first place. Like, you know, I'm sure you've met some of these people because you work out consistently. You ever see those people who kind of look like they rolled out of bed to get to the gym and they do like their little 10 minute workout. And then they turn around and they leave the gym and they're gone. And they come back the next day and they're consistent for, you know, their little 10, 15 minute workout and you just let them do their thing. I, I saw a lot of these people at the gym that I worked out down, down the street. And I love those people. Those are some of my favorite people because they don't care about the way they look when they are getting to the gym. They're, they're just like, I have to train my mind to be at the gym first. And then I can train my body. Like I, but first I got to train myself to put on the gym clothes and get to the gym. That's all that matters. I don't care about how many pushups I did. I don't care about how much weight I lifted. I don't care how long my cardio was right now. I care that my butt was in the gym from 6.00 AM to 6.25 AM. That's all that matters. Yeah. So there's some,
1: No, go ahead. Please.
0: And I, I believe that's truly how you develop progress is like you train the mind first and then Mm -hmm. you can train the body.
1: Yeah. I, I'm more of a bot. Like the the funny thing is, is like, I see that as training the body to train the Like I'm going through the body to train the mind. Like Mm -hmm. I can, I can have that conversation with myself in my head, like get to the gym, get to the gym, get to the gym. And it's, it's going to be draining my energy. And I can just convince myself not to eventually. But if I just take away all options, I'm like, I know you don't want to go to the gym. I'm moving towards that gym anyway. Three, two, one, fucking moving. And I get there. Eventually, my mind catches up to my body and is like, okay, let's, let's, let's work out. Let's do something. Um, so for me, I actually see that the opposite. It's like I'm bypassing my mind, acting through my body, and then my mind catches up to me.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can see it being both ways. Cause I'm, for me, it's like the mentality of putting on your clothes. And like, I know that there are some runners who like to run at 5.00 AM and they will literally sleep in their clothes just so that they, they will roll out of bed. All they have to do is put on their shoes. They even go to sleep in their socks.
1: I think what the difference is, though, is like that to me is mental toughness and will to push your body to do what you're not wanting to do. While me, like when I think about going through your mind, it's to me, I think about someone who's trying to battle every single excuse in their in their head to take the action. And that to me is a waste of time, because your mind is a supercomputer that's going to give you all the fucking excuses and it's going to be super creative about it. So if you're trying to battle that, good luck. But if you're talking about willpower, where you're getting up, you like for me, what I used to do is I'd wake up, I would think about all the people I hate. And it would get me give me enough will to be like, I want to be better than them. And I'd get out of bed, I would crawl to the fucking shower, I would turn that on. This was when I was 15, by the way. And I would just let the water hit me, I'd wake up, I would put my gym clothes on, take my bag, get the fuck out of there. 6am at the gym, I'm done. 730 start school that That's what I used to do, but it was it was not me having a conversation with my head because I knew that my mind was not my friend at that time
0: ooh, talk more about that let's 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 talk about how actually they mentioned this in the documentary too part x the judgmental part cool. of us that wants to keep us from growing or changing the villain basically in our story. you can't get rid of part x um but without part x, there's no progress. We need a villain in our story, basically. Yeah.
1: And you're your own villain. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's insane. But yeah, my part X. Um, my part X is always yelling at me. It's all self-doubt, uh, not knowing what I'm doing. Uh, it comes out in different ways, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think the yeah. part X is is probably just as smart as our part Y. You know, <laughs> <laughs> our part X is yeah. like, nobody knows us better than our mind. Mm-hmm. So we know all the temptations, like the mind part X knows all the temptations that we, you know, are going to fall to. Um, it knows us best. It knows how to shame us. It knows how to uh, keep us in a certain in a certain level of like paralyzation in life um or paralysis (laughs) so i i'm like a huge advocate for learning um not just what part x is i love that it's called part x because it sounds so it sounds so like superhero marvel oh i love it I could just see like the part X of me, like, in <laughs> like, mm, do it you really like want to go? <laughs> 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 oh my God. My phone saw a picture of me one time when we we're doing a podcast and it was asking if it was you. Uh, <laughs> <that's-> <laughs> I was like, that's strange. That's no funny. phone. You should know me better than that. <sighs> Fire. So-
1: Okay. So I was, I was driving. Well, I wasn't driving. My friend was driving and my friend is a very positive person, like super positive to the point where it's like nauseating a little bit. And I look at myself as a very real, like a realist. And I tend to fall into the very negative. A lot of the times, like I I catastrophize and I, and I see that. And I was just telling him like how hard it is for me to, to be positive all the time. And I, and I can get stuck in negativity. And he had like a very, he, he was, it was very interesting. how he responded. He was like, first of all, like, do you want to kill yourself? Cause if you're going to be negative, just fucking kill yourself. Like you might as well just. And I was like, Holy shit. Like that's fucking intense. And then he, but then he was like, you know, life is a bunch of ones and zeros all the time. It's all ones and zeros everywhere. You look, there's always positive. There's always negative. You just are stuck looking at the zeros and not looking at the ones. And he's he's like, if you don't want to kill yourself, and I'm pretty sure you don't. (laughs) And I was very like, I was having suicidal thoughts that that day, which is crazy. And he was saying, and he knew that he was saying this to me. He's like, I know you don't want to. He's like, then fucking look at the ones, right? Like, look at the positive side. And I know it was very, like, direct, and like, uh, maybe a bit rough and caused some friction to some people hearing that. But to me, it very, it very much hit me in the heart. And I was like, you know what, you're right. Cause like, I'm, I'm like focused on all the negative shit that's happening right now. And, and then I'm not like, I'm not looking at what's around me right now. Like there's so much good, like right now that I'm looking at that I should be so grateful for. Um, so the last week or so, whenever I've been getting negative, I'm like ones and zeros, I've been thinking ones and zeros. I'm like, look at the ones.
0: I just want to say that I love this for you. I love this friend for you. I have, I don't know him. I haven't met him. I send him all the love in the world because one thing that I would wish for you just from one friend to another is that you can see that there are optimists in the world that are also realist. Mm. Like I, I, I would love for you to see that. People who are choosing optimism are choosing optimism. They have seen the stuff. And I think I've had this discussion with you before where I'm like, Mm. yes, I'm an empathic person. I don't just love a person just because, you know, they show me the positive traits. I see the whole person. I see the good and the bad, and I'm choosing to love them anyway. And it's the same thing with optimism. Um, Yes, I see the stuff that happens that's negative, but the, the, there's realness there's authenticity in optimism so i there's i love vulnerability
1: this there's a lot yes. of vulnerability and that's why like every like i told i say this a billion times this last month it's like vulnerability has been my focus is going to be my focus for next year and it, it just that to me hit me and and i and i could feel like if i chose to be opt- an optimist that i have to be vulnerable and put myself in a position where i might get hurt right for me being like negative is like almost avoiding like this naive part of me that I used, that I used to be, or maybe that I still have it. Um, But yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. It's, it's definitely not easy for me. Like I, it's a default. It's been a default for a long time. And um, I think, you know, even growing up um, you know, if I was to bring my report card to my dad, I was terrified to show him that report card, no matter how well I did. Because I know that he would focus on the negative, like whatever was bad there. So I think that trained me in a sense to like never really care about any of the accomplishments. Like, okay, I did well that there. That means I don't need to worry about it. It's not something for me to be grateful about. It's just something to like not worry about. While I have sense. to worry about all the negative shit, all the negative shit I have to like hyper focus on and make sure I take care of it.
0: It makes sense about your response to the podcast because you were like, you did not care about how great our first few episodes were going. And I was like, I'm like sitting up here, like amazed at like how easy it is to listen to. Cause I, I would listen and edit and stuff. And like, I'm like listening back, like, Whoa, this is something I would listen to even if I wasn't a part of it. And then I would tell you that and you would have no response to it or very little response to it. And I was like, well, that's strange. So that at least, thank you for sharing with that that with yeah. me, because I was like, I did not understand. I was like, dude, <laughs> you're yeah. putting out some gems here.
1: Yeah This, the stream of gratitude that Stutz was talking about too, like that that to me would probably probably be the hardest exercise. Um, I find that I I I'm at a loss for words when a lot of good things happen, like. I don't really know what to say about it. It's it's like, okay, cool. That's great. Thank you. Our, or,
0: I'm trying to find that. So we have the grateful flow. Is that, that's what it was called? The grateful it, flow, yeah. Yeah, okay. And that's when part X wants you to have the negative flow. So it creates a cloud. And then, so what you do is there's an exercise where you you say two to four things that you're grateful for. And the smaller they are, the better and you mm-hmm. take your time and you want to feel the gratefulness and then quietly name the things um that you are also grateful for um but you want to block the feeling until it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and it bursts through that black cloud is that what you're talking about that exercise
1: yeah um i think yeah the way he the way i understood it was basically you close your eyes you start saying things that you're grateful for and you want to actually be creative about it. You don't want to just like throw random stuff, like actually think and feel and uh, be creative about what you're saying. And then after the third one, you quietly start saying it. Um, and then you stop saying it. You just feel the feeling itself and let it burst through the cloud. That is incredibly difficult for me. <laughs> I, I've i tried gratitude journals in the past um, and it's always been like, very difficult. The closest I've ever been to gratitude even came in a negative context. Like I was reading uh, Untethered Soul and there was a chapter like it was in the book. It was uh, the course that I, I recommended to you. Uh, there was a chapter where he was talking about just like the stars and how small we are in the world. And I had a moment of gratitude and it was like, you know what? If I was born 30 years ago, I'd be dead because we don't have the, we wouldn't have the medication to keep me alive. But that was like the only thing that I found that I was grateful for that felt honest, but also it felt negative still. Like it still felt like it was, it was coated with, um, resentment in a Mm. sense.
0: Um, so now I have questions (laughs) we need to, and not that I'm a therapist or anything, but gratefulness and gratitude has always come pretty easily for me. Um, I pretty sure because my life is so drastically different, um, than when I was a kid and how I grew up. And so like, there's a lot that I feel like I have to be thankful for. And I'm just like, even the fact that I have friends and I have a social life, I'm just like, wow, I just really, like it just blows me away. I'm like, you know, years ago, I remember being so lonely and isolated. Um, because you're such a, I don't want to say self made person, but you have basically really built Cal Kamuna, you know, like you, you are your own person, uh, and you have chosen to be this person. Do you feel that that's, um, you have that spirit of like, I have to work, you know, I have to build the abundance. I know like we, we've talked about this in the past, like how you have to build and work for everything you have. Do you think that is what partially yes. blocks you from the gratefulness? Okay.
1: Yeah. But not even just that it's the fear of it being taken away completely. Like for me, like I, I, I sometimes feel like I'm falling down a hill or a mountain and I'm trying to grab a tree, like just at any branch so that I don't keep falling right? Like that. that's a sensation that I, I feel often. But my fear and like what keeps me from gratitude is like my fear of, of losing it all. And I'm like, I need to keep working and working and working to make sure I don't lose any of it. If I stop, I die. You know? um,
0: I have a suggestion that Please. you may have used before. Um, I would maybe start with your gratitude towards your desire to be who you are. Like your desire is so deep and it's very inspiring and it's very passionate. I mean, I feel it all the time. Every time we do one of these or I see you and that's not something that everybody's born with. That's not something that everybody develops, um, or that they get to feel, um, they can work towards it obviously, but yours is very deep. (laughs) Yours is earthly, um, Maybe I don't know. Maybe start there because it's it's something very special.
1: I'll look into that. I I feel like I need to understand that a bit more. So it's like gratitude towards my drive and like my like my my willing to like my, my willingness to keep going, like a persistence aspect. Yes,
0: there's like this deferred gratification aspect to who how you've developed yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You've, you take action knowing that you won't get the result right away. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen the toddler test where they, um, they take toddlers usually around ages two to four Mm. and they put them in a room by themselves and they put, um, a cookie in front of them and they say, Hey, if you can wait five whole minutes, we'll give you two cookies. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you eat the cookie, that's the only cookie you get. Yeah, And, you know, they found that those kids who were able to delay instant gratifications did way better in life. And so I'm also one of those people that has that trait. Um, but it's not just that you have the delayed gratification part. You also have the action part of it too. Really? So like I can imagine that if they were to take you and put you in a room and said okay there's a cookie right in, right in front of you not only can you not have the cookie right now but you can have like basically a whole jar of cookies if you can memorize this recipe you know and give it back to us. I can imagine that you would be one of those kids that would do that if you wanted the jar of cookies.
1: <laughs> Possibly like it's,
0: yeah, like you have something very very special that um is a very rare trait. Um mm. not only with the like I said the delayed gratification but it's also the 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 ability to build a vision to like really progress towards a vision um even so, when you don't see anything there right now.
1: You know, okay, so one that that's reminding me of when I was a kid during Halloween and I would get a bunch of candy. I would always eat the bad candy first and then I would get full of it and then I would get to the good candy later. Um, but what what did you just say about like, what was the last thing you just said? Sorry.
0: That um, you're willing to build a vision to like work towards your vision of what you want and who you want to be.
1: So my vision, the way I work through, towards my vision is honestly very passive in my opinion. And I feel like you you have the ability to like have a big vision and like you, you dream big for me. Like, I feel like I dream super small because I feel like I need the step in front of me to be very clear for me to take action on it. And then once I'm on that step, I can look what's in front of me and look, look at the next cliff. Okay. That's the next vision. That's, that's the next spot that I'm going towards. But I feel like I limit myself a lot and I, and I probably am capable of more than what I'm doing but I I can't see it. So I don't trust it. Like, unless it's in front of me, and I can see the next mountain. uh, I don't really feel like I climb it.
0: I call bullshit. Really? Yes. The reason I'm gonna call bullshit is because you show up every week, the same time with very few excuses on why you can't do this. This podcast is not very big right now. Nobody is like, but Talking this is a of,
1: step this is a step for me like this is to me something that i feel like is is like is the cliff in front of me like that's the next that's the mountain that i'm looking at but mm-hmm. i can't see beyond that yet cuz i'm not on the mountain
0: <laughs> i don't i don't believe you for one second like really? i think you yeah you the way you speak the way you put the effort in to do this that's not somebody who doesn't see something bigger like in order to show up the way we do, you have to believe in something bigger.
1: I do believe in something bigger, but that's the mountain I'm climbing. I just don't know what's beyond it yet. Like and it's not you don't like have it.
0: to see like you don't have to see it perfectly. You know, okay. like when you're climbing a mountain, you it's all cloudy and stuff. You're still climbing a mountain.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> but like, okay, so the way I look at it is like, okay, I climb a mountain, I see another mountain in front of me now. Okay. And I'm like, okay, this makes sense. I can, I can figure this out. I can't see the whole step. I can't see the whole, like how the steps are going to take place. I don't know what cliffs and what direction I need to go to get to the top, but I know that it's possible because I can see it. I can, I can see that it's a shape, (laughs) but I don't know what's after that mountain. Right. So right now I'm building something and I'm, and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but we're building something and we're walking this mountain. But then when we get to the top of that mountain, there's going to be more opportunity and more possibilities that I am not aware of yet. So oh, my that vision, part is yeah, normal. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is my vision is capped at what I can see versus I feel with you is your vision is like boundless. Like, it, it like you see past the mountain. It's like you have X-ray Superman vision and you can see like four mountains ahead. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Patricia, what are you talking about? <laughs>
0: But honestly, so I just read this book and please, please, please let me know if you want to read it because it is very good. It's called of boys and men. Um, Oh, I would love to read it. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I, if you thought Stutz was good, wait, wait till you read of boys and men. It just talks about men's issues on a level that I've never heard anybody speak about men's issues. But um, anyways, uh, One of the things that they point out in there is that women's brains are always in the future. Like we're always planning ahead. That's how we're built. Like we're supposed to be planning for the future. We got babies to have. We Those babies have to learn how to talk and walk. And mm-hmm. like, we have to see the things. And then men, they're kind of always present. They're like, they have to think about the right now. So like women's brains are in the future. And yes, get that one. I <laughs> thank you uh women's brains are in the future and men's brains are right now so mm. it, it makes sense I mean my brain is like wired to see all the possibilities and you know like to 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 go Man. yeah we can go for this let's let's do this especially because I live in LA <laughs> oh my God.
1: I remember my one of my exes freaked me the fuck out because like she had all these plans of like what she wanted to do in the future with me and like oh we should live in Dubai and do I'm like I'm like, girl, I am not like, I don't have that income yet. And, but like, she had no, like, she had no, like, has, like she didn't fear that, like that I, I wasn't going to make it one day. She was so certain that I was going to make it. And in my head, I'm like, I need to pace myself. I need to walk it. And I, and and that freaks me out sometimes like that vision when I'm not there scares the living shit out of me. Cause I'm like, how the hell am I going to climb a mountain? <laughs> I'm like, Do I have the energy? Uh, so
0: I I met a guy who um he's he's like that like he has that similar trait to what women do which is like they can see themselves in the future and it kind of freaked me out a little bit because I was like wait a minute I'm supposed to be the one (laughs) that's you know thinking that far ahead and he does that like automatically I'm like interesting but he also grew up around a lot of women like you know matriarch in the family definitely ran the household older sister lots of girl cousins like he he was raised around a lot of feminine energy so I wonder does that make a difference too?
1: it's so funny though I was raised okay so my mom two sisters and my dad but I felt like I was the most feminine person in the household and my mom maybe the second most feminine. And then my one of my my oldest sister the third. And then my mid sisters like like we all have feminine, masculine, obviously, but like I honestly felt more feminine than my sisters. My sisters tapped into their masculinity. Like they worked their ass off. They wanted to like they they they're very direct. Like my sister, I call her the boss of the house because she will fucking she is the ruler. Like if there was a, a conflict, she was the one that would take care of it. She she called shit out. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not masculine, I'm also but I'm just saying I'm I was very I was I definitely felt the most feminine, most expressive uh in my household.
0: But you're also the baby, so that makes sense. <sighs> I I think baby boys are just like a special type. Like they're kind of my thing. <laughs> like little Because it it makes sense. um, Because you're the most cared for, in the sense that everybody's older than you. So you've got like, not just your parents, but you also have your surrogate parents, which are your sisters who are just like, oh, you know, look at baby brother, we have to look out for him. So you've got all these guardians around you. Um, So it's going. You're going to have a lot more nurturing than most other kids and positions. That's, I, as the older sister, did not get as much nurturing. See so that
1: I... that triggers me a lot because, like, to me, I felt like I craved that nurturing and I craved that attention constantly, and I wasn't given it. Right, and it was like I was given nurturing, uh, and and like that love, I can recognize it up until I was like six. But then it definitely went away. And maybe I was spoiled or something. And I and I was used to that attention. But I can tell you, I have videos. Like I literally I remember watching a video last year. I have it on my computer of me recording myself and trying to go and like talk to my dad, talk to my mom, talk to my sisters. And I would watch how they were reacting to me. And it was like repulsion. It's like, I don't want to give you any of this attention. Get away from me. And it, that was the feeling that I felt consistently. And then when I turned like 13, my relationship was severed completely where I had no attention. Like it was like me in my room and my parents downstairs and my sisters downstairs. If I wanted to talk to them, I would talk through my sister or my mom for like a second, but I would get in an argument. It was not, it was barely a relationship. So for me, that 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 triggers me. I'm sorry it <laughs> triggers
0: you. I mean, it does go in ebbs and flows. It's not like, you know, the way you're treated at five stays you know, the same level, obviously, you're going to need more nurturing at five than you do at 15. Um, I would say, uh, having had experience living with you for a few weeks that you definitely um, you do well with nurturing. You are very receptive to it. Like, cool. I can, you might be triggered by it, but <laughs>
1: no, I I know that I want nurturing. The thing yeah. that triggered me is the way you phrased it was saying that I got nurturing and I feel like because I didn't get it that's why I crave it so much you know like it, it, so for me it's like I I know that younger kid like the baby kid usually gets the most attention I think I did for a while but that didn't stick um and it it, it might and it came from different reasons maybe just like religious aspects and and stuff like that but maybe there was d- definitely a sever there Um, that almost intensified my craving for it.
0: So, um, it actually brings me to a different topic, us talking about this. Um, so there was a documentary that I just found out and it's called boys versus girls and they take 10 year old boys. Um, I think they, it's like 10, 10 year old boys and 10, 10 year old girls. And I think they put them through some type of training camp. They teach them how to make a meal, how to clean up. How to basically care for a household, and then they allow them to live in a um adult supervision free home for a week, right mm-hmm. as you can imagine, even with the education uh the girls and the boys both made a mess of the house, but the girls' mess was always an artistic pursuit, like there was always something or it was like, oh my God, let's play." Let's play makeup and dress up or something like that. Or let's paint this. Let's make a mural with the wall. And, you know, they weren't super polished in how they cleaned up or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they definitely made meals with each other. They were very democratic about how they dealt with each other. The boys literally destroyed the house on day one. (laughs) In fact, they didn't even make it for the whole week. They only made it to day five. (laughs) It was it was insane. So I brought that up to say that I believe that the way that boys are conditioned has a lot to do with that as well. It has a lot to a lot to do with the way that they eventually uh either lose nurturing or are just not going to be able to socialize with women as mm. easily. Um, because like the I felt so bad because there were clearly boys and I, I highly recommend I sent you the videos on TikTok. And I'll, I'll probably share them on our uh, Instagram so that people can see them. But, um, the, there were clearly some quiet boys that you could see that were suffering. Like they, they had already yeah. split into two gangs. It was definitely turning into Lord of the flies there. The boys had uh, in that five days span, they had one meal, one meal, everything else was sugar coca-cola candy they could eat whatever they want they can go to bed whenever they wanted
1: oh god this is the
0: problem the girls (laughs) on the other hand uh by the way one of the one of the girls left and her name was sherry and i was like oh my god i'm totally sherry she was like cooking and cleaning things and i was like ah crap (laughs) she was trying to make everybody comfortable and uh and you know, they were they were playing a lot, but she Sherry is like, This is a mess. I need my mama, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to get out of here. But even still, the girls were still when they had discourse, they still were able to come back together and be friends. And they're the way they socialized was just so much more complete, mm-hmm. even at that age. And I'm very curious about social conditioning and our culture when it comes to young men when it comes to young boys because there was a disbursement of responsibility amongst the girls no girl was allowed to not participate too much longer and then when a girl messed up she was called out for it immediately with the boys it was all about power structure Immediately, like it, they split into two clans. The rougher crowd started really destroying the house and started making the other clans' life miserable. And is this something that we can change? Is this something that we should try to change? Like, what is? I don't know.
1: I don't know if it's possible because, like, I think I think men definitely destroy, it <laughs> like, women clean up. Um, I was I remember I was at a seminar, um like in actually in LA uh, when I was there and the guy was talking about these clans and how they had like, you know, how we have like president, prime minister, all this stuff, like how they ran their tribes. And basically they would have one woman who would be in rule her whole life, like her whole life. And then there would be a man that would change every four years. So what that, what would happen is like, the the woman she would look out for nurturing the clan and the community and and like if if this side doesn't have enough food then they would share it with this side whatever but then the man would be more realistic and be like no we can't do that because if we give this food here then we won't have food for a month and we'll all die so it was an interesting way of using utilizing both uh, of their strengths you to, triggered me to, to get things done I I'm giving like a random example but I I find that interesting where like like the men have to be switched out every four years while the woman can kind of stay. And, and this
0: happens in care. families. This happens, you'll see a matriarch sit at the top of a family for a very long time. And yeah. usually it's a it's a very um, prominent family that has, you know, there's education, the kids are happy, you know, like they're having... Abundant families and everybody's got a career and you know they're they're looking out for it. Whereas when you see um kind of a paternal structure, and it it does depend obviously on the family, you'll see um, you know, there's a show called Session, and it's about basically a paternal structure. He's a very grumpy Uh, old man who has who basically wants one of his kids to stand up and become the successor of this umpire that he's grown himself um i've been told to watch
1: that by emma forever it is it's (laughs) so
0: good it is so 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 good please watch it viewers and listeners please watch it too because we will be talking about it once cal actually watches it (laughs) Uh, you don't have to watch watch it now too
1: much we watch way too much tv
0: (laughs) this is our This is our job, though. Don't you want this to be our job to like review stuff that we watch and comment on it? But anyways, with his particular structure, it's all about his kids trying to prove that they're better than each other. And so there's all this narcissism and shame and narcissism and shame and narcissism and shame. Like it's a, just this terrible cycle over and over again, where the kids practically hate each other and they will do anything to be the successor of his umpire. And he will do anything to remain on top. He's not ready to to let his power go. And he like yeah. is all about maintaining you know the, the 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 power that is there uh and wants to st to, to stay alpha in the family whereas mm-hmm. generally matriarchs they want order yeah. which is a whole other thing yeah. they want they want their rules to be father followed mm-hmm. uh followed like if you, i think of queen elizabeth yeah. and if i haven't watched the mary the megan and harry documentary on netflix but i probably will um but you i watched the crown and i know it's not realistic but let's just say sure. it was that family was all about orderliness and uh following the rules and making sure that you know nobody was ahead of another person and that you know like it it was all about
1: well that I, I feel the, like the, you're proving my point yeah yeah okay cool good
0: Thank I am sure. yeah I just wanted to sh- to point it out with the tv example I was trying I was to looking,
1: say because you said you're triggered I was like okay well oh,
0: you did I'll tell you what you triggered me about please so you said reasonable you said that men were more reasonable about their it's, uh,
1: it's n- well it's not about the, the wow you're getting triggered. trigger word word okay well just like is it possible like is that possible or is it going to kill because the you know, we know that she's looking out for the community and trying to make sure everyone's okay, but there's certain things that are just not possible. And in his position, that's what he would be checking. And the cool thing is because he's only there for four years, he can't hold that power. And that aspect is taken away. Um, so, yeah, you are definitely getting triggered by just the word, in my opinion. Man. Yeah,
0: I, I know. I said you <laughs> triggered me with just the word reasonable because it. Yeah. I don't like when, um, especially when it comes to masculine feminine, that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: quote unquote logic always seems like it's more reasonable when it's not necessarily the case. Like, I think that's something I want to get away from is thinking that uh, logic is the better option in every single case.
1: They, they complement each other. You need both. Um, I
0: know. And both can be reasonable. (laughs) Like both can be, I don't think
1: either of them can be reasonable without each other. Okay. I don't think either of them can be re- that's that's why both together are important. Um, because logic by itself is detrimental. Like that will that that will suck all the joy and everything out of life. Um, and you'll become a pessimist like me. Just kidding.
0: No, you're good. <laughs> you're if you're a pessimist, you're one of my favorite pessimists. So I, I mean
1: die. Yeah,
0: you're a realist, but I would like you to see you benefit more from gratitude. Um, gratitude and then also like understanding those optimists of us out there who are like looking at the positive like that we're not just looking at the positive we see you know we see it all but we're choosing
1: i gotta check those people though first like i can't just trust anything anyone says um like when they're being positive i'm gonna be like okay let's get to the ground (laughs) (laughs)
0: i know but it's only because you don't like the ride we're on a fantastic ride we're like yeah it's rainbows and unicorns up here and i can't get on the
1: i can't get on the ride when i'm on the ground you need to put a ladder down there so i can climb up you know what i'm saying like okay
0: fine i will extend my ladder anyways we are we gotta go like you have stuff to do and i have stuff to do but we love you guys. Like, thank you so much for tuning in. By the way, if you guys have questions that you want to ask us, uh, dating or otherwise, feel free to email us at it's the approach at gmail.com. Um, we did get a couple of uh, emails basically just saying like how much they liked the material and, you know, that we should keep going. So that's really cool. Thank you for the compliments, but don't don't be shy ask us stuff like you know or suggest things we would love to hear from you
1: yeah and if you want you can also message us dm us on instagram if you oh yeah for you
0: yeah instagram wherever wherever you can find us we'll answer trust me (laughs) we're excited to like communicate and build something with you guys so we'll see you next week bye
1: bye